At Freedom HealthWorks, we're focused on putting medical professionals back in control of their practices. Utilizing a structured, tailored approach to business, startup, and operations, it could make sense for you to work with our professional team to avoid expensive pitfalls and, more importantly, expedite your journey to success. As we all know, time is money. If you're involved in the practice of medicine and desire to practice free of headaches and constraints, reach out for a no-obligation consultative conversation. Call us today at 317-804-1203 or visit freedomhealthworks.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Healthcare Americana. I am your host, Christopher Habig, the CEO and co-founder of Freedom HealthWorks. Healthcare Americana is a podcast for the 99% of people who get healthcare in America. We're not clinicians or policymakers. We're patients and caregivers, executives and advocates who are fed up with the status quo and have a desire to change it. This podcast brings listeners backstage at innovative organizations with innovative people across America that are putting patients first by delivering exceptional care to anyone and everyone. Today, we're talking to a dear friend of mine, an exceptional client with Freedom HealthWorks, Dr. Francisco Gutierrez with Solimar DPC out of the great state of Rhode Island. Dr. G, welcome to Healthcare Americana. It's a pleasure to be talking to you. Thank you very much, Chris. Thank you for having me. Now, setting up business in in Rhode Island, obviously the smallest geographical state, but going into Providence like you've been doing, it's really remarkable to see the DPC model grow and, and build out in the New England states and the Northeast. How's your experience been so far being relatively new to the direct primary care world? I mean, it's been a little bit of a challenge, uh, to be honest with you, but uh, nothing that we didn't expect to begin. I mean, uh, I'm sort of like starting from scratch once again. I've done that twice before and I've had great success. So I have no doubt that we will have great success here at Solimar because of what we uh, give back to the patients and the community. But according to our projections, we're actually a month ahead of what we were supposed to be at this point. Uh, Today, actually, it's the second month anniversary of our uh, opening. So we're excited about that. And today is the first day that I really have a full, full schedule um, all the way into 630 with, you know, five or six new, new patients. So, you know, these kinds of endeavors, I, my experience tells me is a lot of it is word word of mouth. Uh, And once people experience what we have to offer here, following the DPC model, it's just like a no brainer. I have to congratulate you first on having a financial model in place and understanding what growth metrics you needed. There's a lot of physicians out there who start this kind of blindly thinking, well, I kind of know what my growth rate should be. So kudos to you on that. I wanted to touch upon, uh, you mentioned the word community. Obviously, anybody who knows the show and knows our organization knows that we are huge on the concept and the language around community. You are setting yourself up as a local, if I can say this, a care ambassador to the local mm-hmm. Latino community there. You're doing radio shows. They're completely unscripted, like you mentioned, and, and uh, you've got some funny stories about that. So what is it like positioning yourself as really a figurehead for the local Latino community? Well, you know, I um, backtracking a little bit, I, I, when I decided to do DPC and join the movement uh, in the system, I had an opportunity to do it either in Massachusetts or in Rhode Island. I started my career in Rhode Island, and and there is a sizable Hispanic community in Rhode Island. So I kind of felt um, like I owed them 
something. And, and, and this something is this. We Latinos have very high propensity to develop metabolic disorders like diabetes and even cancer. So as a population, we'll, we're vulnerable. So I have acquired all this experience in my career and wisdom, if you will. So I wanted to really uh, come back and, and really, really put all that expertise to the benefit and to the prevention of disease of, of this particular community. I have, through the years, I befriended uh, the owners of a very popular Hispanic radio station and I had been interviewed before. So when I went to them and I explained to them what I, I was doing and what I wanted to do, um, they were all for it. So we actually have a plan of several different interviews on the radio, sort of like a Dr. G kind of, uh, kind ask of like, Dr. A, G. I love it. ask Dr. G anything. And it, and it truly is ask Dr. G anything. I mean, uh, you, you probably have seen some of those interviews, although they're in Spanish. I understood very little of it, but there are certain words I could, I could pick up. Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of like amazing because what you said is true is ask Dr. G anything. We don't, it's unscripted. You know, we, we start with a topic, let's say COVID or whatever, and then they open up the, the phones to anybody on the street. And, and then it basically is ask me anything. So I think that's a lot of fun. And I think that's a lot of good exposure. And, and I think that for what I want to do, it's not that, that, I mean, we're all vulnerable, not, not just, just the Hispanics, but the Hispanics, we have special vulnerability to develop these metabolic disorders. So I think it's, for me anyway, it's important to be part of that community and share my expertise with them. Yeah. And, and again, I'm a big fan of what you're doing, obviously, and playing fanboy on this side of the microphone. But to pinpoint, you know, it's not quite population health, but you're looking at certain factors that you have a good idea are going to affect certain people just from a lifestyle standpoint, a medical history standpoint. I mean, all that stuff is so, so important. Before you began your journey into Solimar DPC, did you feel like you were really taking all those environmental factors into consideration when treating patients? No, no. I, actually, I um, a little bit of, I mean, I guess we'll get into this a little bit later, but a little bit of my, my story is that I had a, a stroke when I was, uh, you know, many, 15 years ago, I was 41. Wow. At the time I, I had a stroke, I had just won the state squats championship. So I'm an athlete and I'm a doctor. And so I'm fit. And then I got a stroke. So how does that happen? I mean, so then that led me into many different rabbit holes to eventually land to where I am now. So to answer your question more specifically, I've, I've actually through the years on my own learned the importance of lifestyle, but unfortunately that's an impossibility to employ any of those tactics in, the, in a regular primary care practice. And one of the things, I was reading a, an article written by a plastic surgeon, basically blaming primary care doctors for the avalanche of chronic diseases that we have in America, because we, we primary care doctors don't take enough time to explain to people exactly what lifestyle, nutrition, et cetera. I, I wanted to call them and say, well, you know what, why don't you come shadow me for, for a day and, and see if you can take care of 40 patients like I'm, I'm asked to do and see what time I can, I can give to patients to really explain for them to understand what lifestyle or good nutrition or exercise or just general health is, you know? So a couple layers to that answer. One is 
I had to learn on my own exactly what real health is because they didn't teach me that in medical school. I suffered because I didn't know. And number two, once I was able to learn what that really meant, it was impossible for me to really apply those tactics or concepts in a regular primary care practice. There's probably quite a few people listening who would want the phone number or email uh, to the surgeon who penned that, that <laughs> yeah, article yeah. and saying, "Sure, hey, th- this isn't so much as just waving a magic wand and saying, oh, here's 30 minutes I can spend with a patient now. When, again, like you said, I'm under pretty much direct orders to turn and burn as many patients as possible here. So uh, while, while it's kind of easy to see where he's coming from, because in fact, it is true, right? Um, That's right. We've seen... And I've mentioned this before, but we've seen all kinds of other industries pop up. Health coaching, wellness mm-hmm. benefits, care navigation is another one. I'm thinking right. a good old-fashioned primary care physician should be occupying those spots. And that should be the first call from any patient needing anything or any questions. So in one way, physicians have given that up. But you got to look a layer deep and say, why? Right? You know, going back to the old... Toyota principles, you ask why five times, you're probably going to get to the root cause of a symptom here. And that's right. just like you said, but where you are now and knowing kind of your story, becoming ill, having a stroke at 41 and goodness, that just scary. You have held medical directorships in right. previous positions and previous careers. Tell us a little bit about that. And I want you to use the lens of what you're seeing two months into you, your DPC practice versus what you saw as a medical director in a couple of different positions. Right. So uh, I've held many different uh, medical directorships. Uh, One of them, I was the medical director of quality and patient experience for a hospital system. And all that meant was that I was supposed to shepherd my colleagues to make sure that they did mammograms according to what the insurance, you know, what the government or the guidelines, <laughs> what, what, yeah, what ma- they did their mammograms or colonoscopies, their, you know, A1Cs. And then um, if you hit certain metrics, then there was money tied to that form of bonuses. So um, I was also in the executive board for a Medicare ACL, accountable care organization. And then I was tasked to make sure that my brethren, my colleagues in the hospital system, primary care, were able to document accurately um, their ICD-10 codes because that was tied to money too. So, um, you know, I was part also of EMR implementation, EPIC. So that's one of the reasons why they wanted to leverage me because I was able to do, you know, to write workflows in the software that would eventually, uh, you know, help my colleagues uh, uh, document an appropriate uh, diagnosis so the HCC score is reflected. So, you know what? It's all BS, to be honest with you. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry to say, because that's what the system is is really uh, uh, based on. And, you know, it's like a spinning wheel. You know, it's like, that's not going to change the history of the world. That, that's not going to change the uh, the you know, if you document an HCC score, that's not going to improve the quality of the system. You know, it's the way that you improve the quality of the system is to try to keep people healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's real quality. You know, that, and that's that's to the point of that plastic surgeon. He's right, like you said, but we're in the wrong system to be able to accomplish that metric. So, right. uh, and you know, I got tired of it. I, I really, uh, I got. 
you know, once once uh, you take the red pill, <laughs> uh, to to borrow a, a a term from from the Matrix, you know, it's kind of hard to 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 go back. You know, I I came to a conclusion that if I'm not part of a solution, then I'm part of the problem, and I want to be a real doctor. You know, I I um, certain uh, things that I hear really uh, stick with me. In uh, one of my last positions that I had, a colleague came out out of the examining room and, you know, he was frustrated because he didn't have the information and the medical record to take care of the patient. And he looked at me very seriously and he said, Francisco, this patient deserves a real doctor. And that stuck with me because Mm -hmm. I realized that I can't be a real doctor, at least uh, I can't to the standards that I want to hold myself to in that system. So I had to do something with it. Yeah, it's a fascinating tale. And I appreciate you laying it out there and kind of coming to that conclusion that, you know, that medical directorship running kind of the rat race was total BS. And and I'm sitting here thinking, if I'm talking to a medical director, and I ask that question a lot, and, and nowhere has anybody ever said, in my medical directorship, I get to talk to all the doctors that we work with to figure out how to improve the care, how to heal people, how to stop making them or how to educate them so that they are no longer going to make themselves sick, change their habits, change their lifestyles. You know, right. to me, maybe, maybe I've been drinking the Kool-Aid, you know, at, at Freedom HealthWorks for far too long to understand that. And then, you know, you mentioned the keyword quality. I would love for you to compare and contrast your definition of quality as a medical director, like you just laid out in different hospitals, different ACOs, and compare that with what your definition of quality is running your own DPC practice, Solimar DPC in Providence? Sure. So, so in the system, quality is defined by how many uh, screening tests you do, but they don't define why the colonoscopy picked up the colon cancer. So my definition of quality is, no, I want to understand how is it that you get to get colon cancer? Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I'm not against screenings, but I'm also for health. So my definition of quality is I have this experience, this education, this knowledge, and this wisdom after 25 years of practicing medicine. So that has brought me to a a conclusion, which is out there. I mean, this is all all, all over the the medical literature, the primary medical literature. This is not woo-woo. This is correct. The uh, uh, primary drivers of all chronic diseases is insulin resistance that comes from uh, fat around your organs, particularly the liver, and disrupts the mitochondria, you know, to get a little technical here. And that is what creates an inflammatory state in your body. And that is what creates problems down the road. So modern medicine then uh, says, okay, so uh, you have diabetes. All right, so let's treat your diabetes. Well, okay, so you have cancer. Let's treat your cancer. Oh, so you have Alzheimer's. Let's treat your Alzheimer's. My definition of quality is no. If you get there, yeah, I can treat it, but I want you to not get there. So how am I going to do that? It's all about education. It's all about information. And it's all about coaching and accountability. So that's what we do. So here at Solimar, here we have different equipment and we leverage blood work to really paint a really good picture to patients that come here, how their metabolic health is. And then we talk about it and then we give them a defined wellness plan. And if we have to use medicines, we use medicine. Like I said, I'm not against anything that modern medicine has to offer. It's just that I'm more about real health 
more of a proactive approach more than a reactive approach. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It kind of boils down to the fact that, you know, in, in your previous life, when you were implementing ICD-9 and then 10 codes, I mean, you probably never ran across a code that says, oh, it's a uh, five, four, six, seven. I actually healed somebody today. No, no, that does not exist. No, you no. don't, you don't get paid for that. Right. You don't get, no, I'm sorry. No, you don't no. get, you don't get reimbursed, you know, with the air quotes on that, which is another term that just drives me absolutely ridiculous. It's like, it's like you're waiting for somebody to give you your 20 bucks back after, you know, you loaned them that <laughs> right. the insurance company. No, it's even worse than that because, you know, in my uh, previous life, I was a solo practitioner trying to do these things within the system. So I actually had to pay a person a salary plus a billing person, a 6% of my revenue just to be able to get paid. I mean, what kind of business is this? It's, it's ridiculous. I mean, it, there's no business in that business. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. No. And, and I'm curious about your story being a, a solo uh, physician running your own practice, because I mean, that's an endangered species. Back it then exist. it was, and even now it is. Yeah. I'm talking about 20 years ago. Um, I first came after residency and I was also a chief resident in, in Staten Island uh, University Hospital in New York. I came to Newport, Rhode Island as an employed physician by a cardiology, actually a cardiology solo practice. And then I did, uh, you know, I, I stayed for three years and then I went out on my own. And, and I actually was not doing bad financially because I kept things as lean as I could. And then a funny thing happened. Ready for this? A really funny thing happened. I got a lot of customers. So because I got I had I had a lot of customers, I had to take on more overhead. I had to take on more staff. At the same time, the insurance companies, the transition to the disaster that it is now, if I may be blunt, was full blown. And so I was getting paid a third less than people that were in groups. Back then, being a hospital employee was not popular, but you know, being in a group was popular. So that's what happened. It finally broke my back. I mean, it, you know, I was getting less revenue and I was having to spend more money because I had more clients. I mean, you're a marketing person, right, Chris? In what business having more clients is that, is that a bad except for not medicine? many? I'll tell you that. Yeah, exactly. So that's the reason why everything has evolved the way that it has evolved now. Now, now if I were to do this outside of a DPC model, uh, what we're doing in Solomar, it, I couldn't make it. It's impossible. You, know, you, you can't do it, but taking the insurance. Mm -hmm. And then you kick the insurance companies out. You say, cash on the barrel head, let's go. I'm actually get back to real patient care. Um, I wanted to talk about it and, and, and go in as much detail as you want to, but you, you know, you mentioned that you had a stroke before, and I always find it very, very fascinating when we talk to a physician who, like you said, took the red pill, has seen the light saying, wow, I can't provide the level of care and the level of attentiveness to my patients in the old system. But I find that when a physician themselves becomes ill, when they become a patient themselves, that process of, of their eyes opening and realizing that oh my gosh, the healthcare system is so backwards. I can't believe that I've been sending my patients into this type of a care for so long and I never even realized it. Was there a wake up moment when you realized that, oh my gosh, as a patient, this is not the care that I want? I would never recommend this for my actual patients, let alone myself or family. 
Absolutely. You know, go, going to do, you know, you have a, a stroke of 41, <laughs> you have to figure out why, right? So uh, I got, I got the works. I got what we called back then the uh, million dollar workup, you know, to try to figure out why, why this happened. So that meant a lot of visits to different specialists, two and a half hour wait, five minutes with the specialist, you know, their colleague, somebody referring patients to them. So yeah, you know them, uh, you know them on a personal it, it, level. It's, it's, right. it's remarkable. Yeah, exactly. And, and then, of course, we didn't find anything obvious, except that I had something that was called, a, that it is called a PFO, which is a, a patent for aminovalli, which is something that uh, it's a hole uh, in between the chambers of your heart that is supposed to close after you're born. But in some people, it never closes. And in other people, it pops open, particularly people that have sleep apnea. So I had, I was 40 pounds heavier than I am now, even though I thought I was fit and healthy. Because I, I didn't know what that meant, really. Uh, and then uh, as a result, I had obstructive sleep apnea, and I had come to accept that as a, as a part of life, you know, part of modern life. So uh, anyway, so we figured that maybe because I had apnea events or something, the, the PFO opened, and then something happened, something like a, a little blood clot or a little debris went through the hole and, and it lodged in one of the, my cerebellar arteries, and that's what caused a stroke. We never were able to prove that, but that was the theory. So, so here's what medicine told me. Uh, according to the literature, you can take Coumadin for six months, then stop it, and then see if you get another stroke. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's that's all right. an interesting experiment. Yeah, yeah that's why I said, okay, is there something else that we can do? Yeah, we can try to plug the hole, and that's what we eventually chose. And if, thankfully, there are now procedures. This is where modern medicine really uh, excels at, like in, in these kinds of things, in these kinds of situations, like acute things. And let me make a long story short, they, they actually closed the hole using a, a, a procedure through my, my femoral vein, and here I am. But the experience that I had was less than stellar, even though the, the docs did the best they could. Mm-hmm. And we hear that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we hear that a lot. You know, we, we are blessed in this nation with incredible physicians, incredible advances and in innovation. Yet, you know, you hear people talk about the state of American healthcare, and it all goes down to how how we pay for it. I, I don't want to simplify correct. things, but that is exactly it. How physicians are are, are compensated for their incredible, brilliant work. You That's know, correct. there's a reason why medical schools are so selective, is because only the smartest people in our society that are so empathetic and, and care about other people are going to be able to do that. Um, that's correct. And that's good. That's a good thing, right? So yep. doctors deserve to make as much money as they possibly can because they're the ones out there keeping us alive. It's the separation of the buyer and the payer. You know, you've, you've talked about mix match in healthcare before so many times that mm-hmm. it del- disillusions a lot of physicians. Do you feel with your direct care practice that you are now matched to the incentive to uh, your, the incentives that you have from a business standpoint and from a medical standpoint are now aligned with your patients completely? Absolutely. Because now the patient is the actual customer. Mm-hmm. So think about this. If I take insurance or if I'm employed, who's really the customer? It's the insurance or the employer. Just think about that. That's how I, I really try to explain this model to the patients that come through here. And then I tell them, if you come looking for me, you deserve to get me. If you come in to look for my expertise, you deserve to get my expertise. You don't deserve for me to be worried about this quality, quote unquote, metric that we've 
kind of define that as OBS uh, because I have to meet that because I, I have a bonus attached to that or, or for whatever reason, you deserve to get me. So in that, in that way, there is no other way really to get to that point other than, than to do the DPC model. That, that's really what, that's really, you know, when, when I uh, backtrack a little bit, when I, I, I had COVID earlier this year, and as I was recovering from COVID, and I was working, obviously, this is when I decided to do this because I realized, wait a minute, I'm 55 years old. You know, I have all this experience. I don't want to go back to the rat race, not because it was a rat race. I'm, I'm actually pretty good at it. I'm very efficient. I can see 35 people a day, but that's not really what I want to spend the rest of my life. I really want to be the doctor that I want to be, that I hold myself accountable for being. And DPC just allows me to be who I really want to be. And if I can put a plug in here for you is once I discovered you, I figured it's a no brainer because I'm a big believer in not reinventing the wheel. And I'm a big believer in plugging into a system such as the one that you've developed and kudos to you and your team, because then the transition is seamless. So now all we need to do is get the patients in, which they're coming. So it's just a matter of time. Yeah, absolutely. And hey, we'll take plugs all day. You know, I, I send that to the rest of the team. They, we all pat ourselves on the back and say, all right, you know, <laughs> we've, yeah. we've helped we've helped pluck somebody out of the system and and really get back to care because I, you just said something and it kind of made me laugh. You know, it's you're like, hey, I can see 35 people. I'm very efficient. And I'm thinking, you know what? That's the old Dr. G, right? That's that's Dr. Right. G going back in the hospital and saying, well, why should I hire you? Well, I'm, a, I'm very efficient. I can see 35 patients a day. Right. You go, you talk to a patient who walks through your front door and says, hey, tell me a little bit about, about this model. Why should I pick you as a doctor? The last thing you're going to tell them is I'm very efficient, right? <laughs> you're going to get back right. to this. I'm saying, well, look, I've been a patient myself. I've empath- I've been in your shoes. I understand what it's scary out there. I want to be your advocate. I want to make you healthy and educate you about why this is. And you're like, wow, just the way we talk about modern medicine and, and what you just said from a past life to a present life. Right. I mean, that's amazing. I kind of have a light bulb moment there. And it's like, even our language changes from you're providing, you know, the same type of medical care or same medical care in a different vehicle, but even your language changes. Cause like you said, who's paying your bills? Right. Exactly. That's a big, and I'm not a big fan of nonprofit medical services or really anything out there. They do some good work, but all too Mm -hmm. often they get an excuse for really bad medical care or bad local policies, but you deserve to get compensated. You're, you're making a difference in people's lives. So I love it. So last question here, this is the crystal ball moment, right? Everybody knows this question's coming. You have a magic wand. You're, you're, uh, you're president. Um, they call them kind of the healthcare czars these days. You got, you got a magic wand, you wave it, poof, perfect healthcare system, perfect healthcare industry. What's it look like? Well, I think we keep elements of the modern system that work. Like I said, like acute, the acute, things like sort of like what happened to me and do that procedure, but we have to invest in real health. And the only way that we're going to do that is to really change the complete paradigm of how we're functioning and investing in real health means investing in a better food supply, better food industry. People need to move, but people also need to get out into nature. Now, how how are you going to pay for that? I used to be a big fan of, of a single payer system. I am not a big fan of a single payer system because anymore, because what happens is then they define and they give you the rules. So it's kind of, it, it would just be 
kind of the, the same thing all over again. So I, I, I think we need to have people feel they have skin in the game. And the only way to do that is to be participants and understand that they need to take responsibility for their own health in order to avoid all these disastrous conditions, current conditions. And I think the DPC model, and I've, I've heard some politicians talk about how, how that could be implemented and helped in the primary care arena to really work some of these uh, strategies and tactics. I think that that would be a way to go from the perspective that when you're paying me, you're getting a service, but you also have skin in the game. If you have somebody paying your medical bills, you don't have skin in the game. You're not going to listen. And, you know, I can talk to you until I'm blue in the face and then nothing is going to happen. That's been my experience, uh, you know. So if you have skin in the game, and, I mean, think about what, what you pay. Here at Solimar, we, we charge $1,000 a year for our services, for our membership, basically, you know. I mean, that's nothing. I mean, people line up to buy an iPhone for like 1500 bucks. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But we have to change the culture. We, we have to change the mindset. We have to change. We have to make people understand that the disastrous health problems that we have are not going to be fixed by giving you more pills or, or it, they're going to be fixed by understanding where, where it's coming from and by applying strategies that you as an individual need to understand that it's also going to be up to you. Really, sense. there's no there's no easy button, but you know, enabling a physician to actually be a doctor to a patient, have that conversation, have that education with them, that's going to get us a long way there. Yeah, I love it. I love it, Dr. Francisco Gutierrez, Solimar DPC out of Providence, Rhode Island. Thanks again for joining us here on Healthcare Americana. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. My pleasure. Thanks, Chris. Thanks so much. That's going to be it for this episode. Once again, I'm your host, Christopher Habig. Thanks for listening. Check out healthcareamericana.com to hear all our episodes, visit the shop, and learn more about the podcast. Healthcare Americana is produced by Taylor Scott and iPodcast Pro and managed by Melissa Turpin. Whether you're a patient, employer, or physician, the Free Market Medical Association can facilitate and assist you in your free market healthcare journey. The foundation of our association is built upon three pillars, price, value, and equality, with complete transparency in everything we do. Our goal is simple, match willing buyers with willing sellers of valuable healthcare services. Join us and help accelerate the growth of the free market healthcare revolution. For more information on the Free Market Medical Association, visit fmma.org. The new administration has big plans for your health insurance, changes that can limit your choices. The Affordable Care Act created a one-size-fits-all plan. Healthcare is not a one-size-fits-all problem. The premise of the ACA is that coverage equals care. It does not. This is Eric Wilson from ISOLF Incorporated, and I recently saved a family in their 50s almost $600 per month with our free market plan. Act now. Protect yourself with a plan that cannot be canceled. This is a nationwide PPO plan, which allows you to pick your doctors and hospitals. Start saving 30 to 60% today. If you are self-employed, purchase your own health insurance, or are uninsured, you can lock in a private plan managed by you, not the government. Call me, Eric Wilson, an expert with 17 years experience at 888-448-5370. That's 888-448-5370. Or go to iSellHealth.com. That's iSellHealth.com. A free market, affordable approach to healthcare. I look forward to speaking with you. Hi again, everyone. This is Chris. At Healthcare Americana, we're always on the lookout for great stories to tell in the healthcare industry. And we'd like to hear yours. 
Check out healthcareamericana.com and send us your ideas for episodes or if you'd like to be a guest. Thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoy it.